Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to Interviews with Chris. I am your host, Chris Tryon. Well, we've made it. Episode number two. If you listened to episode number one, thanks for sticking around. If you're a new listener, thanks for joining, and I hope you enjoy it. Before I get into talking about this episode, there's no question that everyone is aware that we're currently amidst a pandemic, and these are some truly unique times. If you're a frontline worker, I just want to say thank you so much for what you do. Whether you're a nurse, a bus driver, a cashier, whatever occupation you may have, it doesn't go unnoticed. I just had to throw that in there before we start. Alrighty, so for today's episode, I'm interviewing Eric Reed of Alabama Death Walk. Is his music folk? Is it indie rock? I don't know. I don't really want to pigeonhole him into something, but I know it's great. Grab some Bright Eyes, some David Bazan, Rocky Votolato, Father John Misty, stir them all together in a bowl, and you'll get some Alabama Death Walk soup or something. I don't know. It's tasty. I'd order it. It's hard to pinpoint because he's so unique. I don't usually gravitate to folk music, but he had me hooked the first time I saw him. I'm glad we could talk about his upcoming album and just catch up in general. What a wonderful talent and such a great guy. Here's my conversation with Eric. Let the machine tell them you're not home now. They can leave a message at the beat. But in your heart, you no, there is no promise that you'll get back to them. There's just no time. There's just no time. Hey, Eric, how's it going, man? It's going good, but it's good to hear from you. Good to hear from you as well. How are you doing these days? Hunkered down? Yeah, I'm hunkered down and I'm working from home right now and just spending time with Amber. It's been a mix of uh, a lot of things, but I'm doing good today. Wonderful. I guess just trying to make the best out of the days. Yeah, that come, right? Yeah. How are you doing over there in Arizona? Doing wonderful. Heat is starting to pick up, so Ooh, yeah. not as many dog walks. I'm usually waking up earlier to do that mm-hmm. or going ahead and doing it at night, but overall just trying to make the best out of the days. That's good. So you've actually kind of performed a trifecta of sorts. You were on my web blog. You were on the printed zine. Now you're on the podcast. You've kind of done a three-peat of some sort. <laughs> you deserve a reward. Yeah, dude. I feel like the three-peat was a reward. I was thinking back when you reached out about this, the podcast, um, thinking about the original web, the web scene was really fun. That's by far the, the, uh, to that point, and maybe even ever still like the, the best interview questions I've ever had were that was that first web scene. I appreciate that. My goofiness has finally come to <laughs> some sort of appreciation. So. Yeah, dude. Thank you for that. But, uh, maybe, maybe you'll see a little package from me. What's your, what's your favorite candy or what's a, Ooh. one of your favorite movies or something? appreciation for this three oh, people. Oh, bud. 
Dude, if you could rip me a copy of that 3-1-G documentary you're posting about, I have, I'd never seen that, but I'm, I'm, I was a huge fan of some girls and blood brothers back then. And I, I, yeah, I've never seen it. Yeah. It's uh wonderful. I, I'll probably just even mail you my own copy there, oh, but even, if yeah, I just even just pick, yeah, that too. Great. Or I'm sure there's a lot of footage on YouTube, but that's a really great idea, especially being able to support the United States Postal Service, you yeah. know, maybe sending something via media mail. Hey, that's a really great idea. I'm glad you brought that up. But um, it's been quite a while since we actually have hung out. I think I know the last time we hung out, but refresh my memory here. Yeah. Is it perhaps the last time we saw each other, we were walking down the streets of Juarez together? Dude, yeah, maybe so. It was either that or were you at that show... It was like the last show I played. It was like when I was gearing up to move. It wasn't the release show at Boy Feathers, but it was like at that that bar on. It was like a really small. Oh man, I can't remember. But it was like a, a really small show, and I played solo. And I thought you were there that, that night, and I can't remember which was first. What is or that? I may have definitely been there. I I just think of that time when we were in Juarez walking down the street. Yeah, dude, that so. was great. We went to the little mercado. Uh, we went to a place mm-hmm. called Tragaderos. Uh, had a wonderful ribeye steak and yeah, many dude. many tecates. That was a good. That was a good day. I also loaded up on Mexican candy because I didn't know it was like I didn't know if I was going to be able to get my fix over here. It turns out, I mean, you can get your fix anywhere, I guess, uh, in Texas. So I, I'm lucky to have be able to get that here. But I remember I bought like bulk tamarindo candies and like uh, pelucas and all that stuff. <laughs> And I had more than I could even get through. <laughs> yeah, we had a blast. We hit up so many different spots. And even at one point, I think it was like some ex-coworkers or some people started yelling my name. And I think you guys are like, what is going on here? <laughs> what, who is this person that knows Chris? <laughs> yeah, dude, you're internationally known. Wow. Yeah, internationally. What is in El Paso? <laughs> uh, but yeah, but yeah, it was, it was a, that was a really fun time. I'm sure I was at that show, though. For the life of me, I'm, I'm embarrassed that I can't remember the name of that venue. I only played there twice, but it it was a uh, it it opened probably less than a year before I moved, so I didn't have much of a history at that spot. But it was like a single bar and like Mijas and Medvedi and those bands used to play there a lot. Um, and I just cannot remember it. Uh, it was like near Texas Street, but it's gonna kill me that I I don't even remember myself. I don't, I'm having a hard time even describing it. I'm gonna text you tonight. You're like. I'm going to, in all caps, the name of it, I'll finally remember it. Hey, maybe we might be able to rope it back in later on if it, you know, if it's like a light bulb in your head. Yeah, dude. But right now you're in New Braunfels, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. Right in between San Antonio and Austin. And how's that going? Yeah, it's good. Um, we love it here. My wife, uh, then we were just dating, um, is the reason why I moved here. And we have a good community here. It's a smaller town. Um, it's a quieter town. So more green in your life. Yeah, a lot more green in my life. But yeah, I miss El Paso all the time. It was a really, it was a really like, um, I mean, I've been El Paso centered all of my adult life up until a couple of years ago. So it was a, a big decision. And kind of transitioning into your life in New Braunfels and, you know, Austin per se, when you hit up that part, part of, uh, 
of the state of Texas. Um, who are your main collaborators now? Because I know that you try to introduce people into the mix if you're doing a full band. Yeah, dude. Are there any that you'd like to shout out at that point? Yeah, I would love to. The most solid lineup of, of the band over the past like, couple years has been a three-piece. So I play guitar and sing, and then my friend Austin Norman plays drums, and then my friend Chad Hasso plays um, bass. And each of them are musician, musicians in other bands. Um, they both at one point or another have been in a band called The Oh Hellos. And that's a band that my wife was in previously too. And that's a, that a lot of the people that have like played on the new album of Deathlock songs are kind of revolving around that circle, like that band. Um, yeah, and it's been really good, man. Um, also, my buddy Reagan played banjo on some stuff. Um, my friend Connor, who's in, uh, he lives in Minneapolis. He's in a band called Bad Bad Hats. He played synth and did some uh, interesting like percussion processing on the new record. Yeah, like a bunch of rotating people, like always. But it's been, it's been cool. It took me a while to get plugged in. There was like a year and a half where I, I really was not collaborating on music because I just wasn't. A st- I didn't have like connections uh here with people that it felt comfortable to do that with but it's opened up you have to build that chemistry per se yeah it's uh especially when i mean you know how it's that's how it was with almost all of our bands and our friends bands in el paso but it's there's very little separation between like your friends and your bandmates so i've never been in a scene that's really been like studio musician centric or like hired gun kind of thing so that dynamic has never really felt comfortable to me. I have to really like be friends with people, I think, before it feels natural. And with the new album that's coming out, you were nice enough to send me some tracks, and I truly enjoy it. I've always loved everything you've done, but now I think it's... Uh, I'm hearing more piano, synth, more ambience. It still has that classic Alabama death walk feel, but... Maybe even more of a darker vibe instrumentation-wise. Yeah. Is that kind of where you're going? Yeah. um, That's cool to hear. That's been some of the first input externally. Yeah, I think... Please don't rewrite the songs, dude. Yeah, I think... uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah, scratch them. (laughs) Those are trash. Please don't... uh, Those are trash now. Um, No, they're... they're, uh, I think dark is probably accurate. Um, There was processing... This record has been man really heavy to make like both logistically and also thematically like so dark makes a lot of sense um also i think that they're probably the heaviest songs i've ever written as like a group too like the biggest drum parts and the biggest fuzziest guitars and uh yeah that's something i definitely noticed yeah on some of the tracks that you sent especially when i say dark for the listeners i wasn't particularly saying that wow eric's in a dark place and this is a really heavy dark album Mm -hmm. it may be taken that way you know as far as once people analyze the lyrics or you know take a look at everything as a whole but as specifically instrumentation wise i would say you know there's still that that crisp alabama death walk feel but there is heaviness to it cool dude yeah that that uh that resonates with me too i think that 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 maybe sounds like something i was going for too i think as a whole the it's six songs, but it's like thirty minutes of music. It's like a pretty, I would say overall, it's it's very it's very heavy, um, both like thematically and sonically. So it's cool that that translated a little bit. I don't think it's like, 
I mean, it's not like a burden or something where it's just like impossible to listen to, but it's, I think it's pretty dense. So it's been, that's part of logistically why it's been difficult too. There are a lot, there are a lot of layers on this one. And so trying to find the the right person to like mix it and also just like trying to figure out what needs to be cut, like how much is too much was a big challenge for me. Sometimes the listeners don't really understand what it takes for it to hit their ears. Um, so yeah, I dude. definitely empathize with that. But what's the album going to be called? It's going to be called Young, Young Runner. I've had that name kind of bouncing around for about a, a year and a half or like a year or something like that. You like running? Yeah. So the on and off, I, I, I like running. I'm not running a lot right now. Um, maybe like once a week. But the I wrote the like I wrote these songs and kind of like worked out some of the arrangements with my, with the boys while I was training for a half marathon like two years ago or a little more. And I was listening to the same playlist of like I don't really know the genre. I, I've talked to multiple people on this who multiple people about this who listen to this music and there's not really a good genre name for it, but it's kind of like, um, it's like emo inspired music that, um, like Somos or, uh, sorry town from Las Cruces fits into this or a lot of brand new inspired bands. It's just, it's kind of, it's not, it's not emo music, but there's like a certain rhythm to it. Like the drums hit in a certain way. So I was listening to these bands that had like a very driving sound a band called Everett was one that I had on rotation a bunch. And I didn't think about the implications of this, but I was training and running like three or four times a week, long runs and listening to this like 60 song playlist that all had this like same similar type of music. And so I was listening to these songs a lot and I wasn't really thinking about how much I listened to them, but they ended up inspiring the sound a lot. So that's why I think sonically, that's why it's very dark and dense and also leaning heavily on drums to kind of, simultaneously feel like there's a lot going on and it's dense, but makes you kind of want to move a little bit too and groove a little bit. So yeah, that young runner ties in on a theme level and also just like on a, that's what my life looked like as I was arranging a lot of these songs. That's awesome. And I think to even go a little bit deeper here, for those that don't know, you used to play even heavier music. <laughs> what do the words feed walrus defeat mean to you? <laughs> oh man. A lot of a lot of messing up, a lot of me messing up parts that that I I wrote that I sh- had no place writing or like just so technical that made my brain hurt. <laughs> my God, yeah, I'm. That was a band back in the day. For those who are listening in, um, a grindcore band, I would say a Matthew grindcore yeah, sure. screamo band mm-hmm. that Eric was in for a brief amount of time, mm-hmm. but. Kind of sounded like Ed Gein or yeah, yeah. the number 12 looks like you or that as the sun sets. But um, that's where I guess where I don't want to say you're getting inspiration from some of those heavier tones, but you're that isn't something that's foreign to you. Yeah. I mean, we we actually met at a Converge show in 2009, I believe, at the Pan American Center. Dude, that Las is so Cruces. bonkers. Is that the first time we met? You know what? I like to say that it is because I like when that I first story. interviewed that's you for cute. the for the blog zine, that's I think where we had our main interaction. Oh, that's but so I think cool, we had like man. a string of friends that that um, you know we must have had met each other briefly before that. Yeah, what a cool origin story for our friendship, man. That's neat. <laughs> yeah, it's a crazy way to think, especially uh, now that's gone from grindcore to 
um, you know, indie <laughs> folk. Crycore. <laughs> yeah, right. right. <laughs> so, I mean, just out of curiosity, what's the last heavy band you listened to? Hmm. I guess that's such a vague question. No, yeah, band, uh, no, I but... feel you, and like, uh, like extremely heavy. Yeah, heavy. Like your wife would be like, "What is he doing?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, dude, I don't, I don't know which the last one is. Um, every so daughters to this day, you mentioned as the sunsets earlier too, but daughters to me to this day go. is it, like holds up so well. I'll still listen to that record and, and bump it. There's also a. Uh, this quarantine time been like looking for movies and entertainment to watch. I dug up this old, every time I die, like tour DVD that they had called shit happens and rewatched it. So maybe, maybe technically that's the last heavy man I listened to, but daughters probably a close second. Yeah. Daughters is a great band. Hell songs, oh, Canada God, songs, per- you know, that's Hell a, songs is a perfect album, dude. Jeez. And you know, more along the lines of the, you know, the chaotic mathiness per se, Whereas the album that came out in 2018 was one of my favorites that mm-hmm. came out that year, You Won't Get What You Want. And that's more of a driving, intense album. Like droney almost. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Kind of like heavy, droney. Sometimes drums sounds like sounding like trip hop. Yeah, know, the way that they've, they've got it mixed. So that's a man, that's a dense album, like to the point where it's almost like testing the listener sometimes on how much yeah. they can take yeah uh daughters to me was a band they were kind of in that they weren't on 31g but they are like 31g centric were they, well maybe they were i don't think they ever released anything on 31g they were like i think they were hydrahead yeah exactly they were hydrahead um the last one was on ipecac yeah but they hell songs when they did when they did put on hell songs and he switched to like that like drunk moaning like jesus lizard there you go, kind of vocals. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. dude, that blew my mind. I had never heard like music that chaotic that didn't have aggressive vocals to it. It was more like, I mean, it's still aggressive, but not like screaming. It was just, it just felt like so satisfying to me to, to have. Um, yeah, they just found a sweet spot that I don't know of any bands that have, like, have kind of scratched that itch for me. Yeah, and I can't wait for people to listen to this and they're thinking, <laughs> what are we talking about some sweet bands? But we're now we're talking about daughters and the Jesus yeah, Lizard. Listen the to Locust, Yeah, listen to Dallas and then listen to listen to one of my songs and listen to Daughters right after. And, and <laughs> I'm very interested to th- see what that feels like to you. So since your fans are now knowing a little bit more about you, like that you were a grindcore rocker mm-hmm. at one point of your time. We're going to launch into some random questions here and we'll resume with more about your personal life and the band. I've derived these questions from knowing you as a friend, as a spectator in the Alabama Death Walk audience. And we actually have some requested questions that your fans and friends and my followers on the Instagram interviews with Chris page have asked for. But um, are you ready for that? I'm ready, dude. Sounds great. Which would you have better success of having a profession in? A breakdancer or a stuntman? Probably a stuntman. I don't... Um, I'd probably only last like a year, but I'd, pr- I'd I'd burn out fast and bright, dude. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Like breakdancing, I can't imagine any sense of success in that arena for me. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever do any sort of wild things as a kid? Were you the one that was like volunteering to be at the front of like a sled or something i don't know yeah uh 
Yeah, I was. I was broken like, bones, anything like that. No, I did. <laughs> I broke. Uh, I did, like two pretty embarrassing. I like pretty embarrassing bone breaking stories. I broke my toe one time while like me and my sister were chasing each other around the house. I like I like stubbed it on the, like the corner of a cabinet and like broke it, um, <laughs> which is like such an embarrassing like bone break because there's nothing they can do about it. So you're just hobbling around, but you just have to say like, oh, I broke my toe. But it's just it, to everyone else, it just seems like you got a bruise or something. Uh, and then uh, my my friend Elton in middle school, we were playing, we were on like a basketball team and I was drinking water. And for some reason at this like church rec center, the water fountain was up on a stool and we were playing the tripping game. Did you guys play this where you'd like try to kick your friend's feet out from under them to make them trip? This is like the the stupidest trend. I have not. Okay, good for you. I'm glad. He did that to me while I was getting off the, st- <laughs> off the stool and I landed on my left knee like first before anything else and like chipped a bone in my knee. And it was like from the tripping game. It was the wildest. <laughs> and if you, chip a, if you chip a bone in your knee, you can't like, it's the same thing with a cast. You can't, it's, you're just like in, in an immobilizer. It's like kind of a half break. <laughs> okay. Well, that was I a mean, very long-winded answer for whether or not I was an adventurous kid. <laughs> oh, your future geez. as a stuntman definitely seems bright. Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> you've you've got three dollars. What are you buying at the convenience store? Um, three dollars. Uh, I'm gonna pretend like there's no consequences for like what would happen to my body after this. I would get a bag of hot cheetos and then do the nacho cheese thing like from the chili cheese dog whatever dispenser thing and mix it up like used to when i was a kid i would do that that's that's tasty here on the same topic of snacks or beverages uh you like Lacroix, is that correct um yeah a little bit okay you like fizzy water though uh it's not my favorite Okay, for some reason, I thought you really liked it, but I'm going to go with this anyways. Go for it, dude. Let's say there's a, a new flavor. It's yes. mango jalapeno or marshmallow. Which one are you drinking? Oh, wild. I think I'd probably go with uh, the idea of the spice with the... Um, <laughs> yeah, that's why. I think I'd try the mango habanero. That's interesting to me. I think I said jalapeno, but either way, I or think w- it would be Mango jalapeno, that- you said? I think so. Yeah, I'd go with that one. I'd go with that one. Okay. What's something that no one really knows about you? Like maybe besides your wife or parents, and of course that you want to divulge. I don't want to yeah, you know, yeah, unearth sure. some I crazy dark secrets. In high school. Um, <laughs> no, um, but I, maybe like you, you collect, maybe like you collect baseball cards yeah, yeah. or you bird watch. I don't know. Yeah, let me think about that for a second. I'm not sure. It's, I want to give a good answer to that one. Um, oh, um, in high school, only people that went to high school with me will know this, which now th- there are so few of those people that are still uh, in my life that this is going to have very little overlap. So I did this dance competition in, it was like a talent show. It was a lip syncing competition in high school and the entire school went to go watch it. And I did this OK Go video, like me and three of my friends. And we tied for first place with this hip hop group that was doing like backflips and stuff. And we were just like these nerdy kids doing like a choreographed routine. That is something that, <laughs> that although a lot of people were there, very little people in my life now probably know that that is a thing that I did. 
Well, kind of reverting back to the first question. Yeah, I now I'm you trying have more to success as a break, break dancer instead of a stuntman. I'm trying to think of the fluidity that would have to happen with break dancing was not necessarily a requirement of the type of dancing I was doing for that lip sync, but I'll give break dancing a shot. Okay. What's the last YouTube video that you watched? It could be completely random. Like mine are usually like Scotty Pippen top 10 career dunks or something. Yeah, dude, that's uh, awesome. Probably something with, I think I watched something with Maddie Matheson recently. He's like a food personality guy. He like worked in the restaurant industry and like used to tour with punk bands and he has like really entertaining um, YouTube stuff. Okay. I'll have to check that out. Now, what the people have been wanting. Your fans that are asking these questions, I've kept their identities safe and confidential so you could still call them your friends. <laughs> No, I asked if they uh, they could I could shout them out, but cool. um, first one here, Adi Konlik, a mutual friend of ours, yeah, out dude. in Chicago. He asks, "What elixir do you take to keep your boyish look?" <laughs> um, maybe it's some of that mango jalapeno. Yeah, dude, maybe so, or that hot Cheeto and nacho cheese. I, I think it's more like an elixir that like it's like a cloaking thing where like maybe he sees something that I don't see. But I don't feel like that's true, but I'm honored that he thinks that. So maybe it's like a, yeah, it's like a cloaking thing that I have. It's not actually ageless. I just have like, there's like a mist that he can't see through. <laughs> okay. Next person here, Jay Savage. Living out yeah, in Flagstaff dude. now. Oh, in cool. case in too. Jay, Jay um, is listening in uh, when this podcast episode air, up, um, airs. But um, yeah, and even mutual friend that we met in Las Cruces. But he mm-hmm. asks, what's your favorite pizza topping? Speaking of Las Cruces in New Mexico, I got turned on. I used this... to live there. Yeah. I was around Las Cruces and in Las, like in and out of Las Cruces for like all, like years and years. I went to college there. Um, my favorite topping was from my time there, and it's Italian sausage and green chili. That's the best pizza combination, in my opinion. That sounds amazing. That sounds like something I want to eat right now. Dude, if you can get it with blue corn crust, dude, there's a couple places in Albuquerque that do that. Oh my gosh, dude, that's that's the dream. Sounds amazing. Next question here. We're now getting a little bit more music-oriented here. And my apologies to the person that's asking this. I don't pronounce their name, their first name properly. Asa Martin? Asa Martin. Mm-hmm. Asa. My apologies. Asa Martin. I know that I've actually seen him on flyers before um, because I know that you've played, yeah, dude. but I yeah, never great. knew how to properly pronounce that. He asks, what's your favorite guitar chord? Uh, I don't know the name of it, but right now I'll give you the, the frets. From the string closest to your face down, it's five, then three, then two, then mute the rest. So it's like a, I think it's like an A minor kind of thing, but it's got a C shape to it also. That's my favorite chord right now. Okay. I was going to say G because you're my G. <laughs> I just made that up on the spot. Probably sounds super stupid to whoever listening. But um, once in future AK, that's his handle. Um, unfortunately, I didn't check his real yeah, name. Yeah, dude, his asked, music's great. We're internet friends. Yeah, I'll have to check that out. Yes. What makes a song meaningful? I think thoughtfulness... And transparency are the things that like really come through to me. And that doesn't mean that it's like super clear because sometimes the ambiguity of stuff, 
I think I think uh, Jeff Tweedy from Wilco some, one time said that like ambiguity is like the greatest tool songwriter has. I don't know if I completely subscribe to that because my stuff's pretty transparent sometimes, but um, which we'll be hitting on a little bit later. Yeah, I like your take on that. Yeah. yeah, I I think just like thoughtfulness and honesty. I think there's for people that write songs and probably a lot of people that don't too. When I'm listening to a song and I can guess the next line in a not satisfying way, like if it just feels like they landed on the easiest thing they could have landed on, um, that's an example of like maybe not thoughtful. Whereas thoughtful would be like if you if you throw me off a little bit or you think Porches used to do this cool thing where he would lead you up to a line and make you anticipate what the lyrics going to be at the end of the next line and then throw you off with something that doesn't rhyme at all. That's like really thoughtful and satisfying to me. Awesome. Next question that we have here, and again, my apologies if I'm not pronouncing the last name properly. Kara Schidler, is mm-hmm. that correct? Kara. Mm-hmm. Okay. She asks, why the hell is that his name? Oh, the <laughs> band name? Yeah, the band name. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, God. the band name. Alabama Death Walk. Yeah, I, I named it when I was like 16. So that's a good question. That I, <laughs> we should ask 16-year-old me. There's not really any like good story behind anything like that. It's more like a like kind of painting a picture of a feeling or something. Like I like the kind of stuff that you maybe that somebody would write about if they were on a long walk somewhere that they weren't planning to come back from. Like um just like an yeah, just going out and thinking in the deepest stuff that they can and with no expectation of having to share it with somebody. And then I liked the deep south like dense greenery for that backdrop. But yeah, again, I was like 16. And at this point that, <laughs> that name, that name is a, uh, as a handle is like really interesting. Cause I get that question a lot and that's my answer every time. And I, I don't know if people are like disappointed or not, if there's a theme that there's going to be like some really cool story behind it, but it's really just a, a feeling kind of name. It's kind of funny because we went over this when I interviewed you for the blog I spent hours researching like Native American history. It went from like looking up Death Walk, then going to the Trail of Tears, then going to the Indian Removal Act of 1830. And I'm like, I don't know if Eric really went through all these steps. And I'm <laughs> glad you were able to clarify that for me after the fact. Yeah, I didn't. And there, there's no, um, yeah, there's no like uh, uh, historical or any kind of, yeah, lean to it at all. So we've got, W. Garrett Byram. He asks, why do you French kiss your guitar so much? Hmm. Well, <laughs> Garrett. Um, I don't know, man. I think it's just like a really important part of the songwriting process. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> yeah, I can't write a song without making out with my guitar. I don't know what he's talking about. <laughs> that guy needs help. <laughs> Okay, next one that might be a little easier here. And I would say definitely one of your influences um, from, you know, our personal conversations and previous interviews, Kelly from Back of a Car. Yeah. Wonderful artist. I actually did a live Instagram interview with him for kicks and it turned out awesome. I found out more about him in that hour and a half. He's uh, like a human walking historian. Oh, yeah. dude, He has an amazing memory. Yeah, so he asks, why is the People's Key your favorite Bright Eyes record? I don't know if it is. I mean, I think there was a time where it was, but I'm going to put my head 
I'm going to get in the headspace of like where I was at maybe when I, when I thought that. For one, it was, I think it was like their first record back off like a really long hiatus. So I was really excited about the record. I think there was like a lot of anticipation and I don't think they disappointed. So yeah, it's to me, that's a very like sonically dense record too. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in it. It's kind of intense. Like Jejun stars that the beginning of that song, the fact that that's a bright eyes song is pretty bonkers. I think they took some big chances on it. Yeah, I like it. Um, they also, he got into um, some like interesting, uh, like weird kind of hippie compassionate lyricism on the last song that I'm, that I'm pretty, that I was pretty into. Yeah. It's a great record, man. Underrated. I think on the, in the brightest catalog. Awesome. Farouk, have you ever knitted a sweater or do you plan to? (laughs) I haven't. No, I've never knitted anything in my life. Do you ever plan on it? You think? Um, I'll never say, yeah, I, I don't know if I'll, I, I won't say I won't ever, but no no plans at this time. You'd think by the, the vibe of some of my music that I'd just be like sitting in the dark knitting all the time. <laughs> but, but no, I'd never knitted before. You seem like a sweater guy, like someone who appreciates different types, like I cardigans do. or fleece. Or... Yeah, I do. I'd like a good cardigan for sure. Do you have any turtleneck sweaters? No, I can't stand that. I don't like... I wouldn't like that, I don't think. I don't have one, so maybe I don't have a good reference point, but I don't think I would like that around my neck. So there won't be any sort of chance for the debut of your new album that you'll be wearing a turtleneck sweater? <laughs> a black turtleneck with like very moody lighting on the cover of art? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, so now that we've got these random ones out of the way, let's get to the important <laughs> stuff. What was your first introduction to music? Hmm. And that could be, you know, yeah. as far as when it first hit you or when you first started picking up your guitar. Was guitar your first instrument? Guitar was not my first instrument. Saxophone was my first instrument, I think. And I was really bad at it and I didn't like it. And then guitar like shortly after that. I'm assuming your parents were probably supportive of you playing music. Yeah, I think. yeah, they were. My mom had, she used to say that like, she always wanted me to have this like thing in her mind, this idea that like when I was having a really bad day, I would go in my room and like play my guitar and that wasn't the case. That's not how I like process things growing up maybe, which is strange because that's maybe how I process things now. <laughs> but uh, yeah, my parents were supportive of that. Yeah. Um, my first memory of music was like, I think pretty bad music. I grew up in church and like, I grew up, my mom, my mom works at a church and she did 
the whole time I was growing up. So I was around church music a lot. And for the most part, um, it's pretty, it's not music that I would suggest listening to, to people that like similar things that I like. So I don't think I, I, I liked it because it was music and I remember playing in the like youth group band and enjoying that. But I think it's because it was music. I don't think it was because it was that specific music. So that's my first memory. Um, but I remember like after I didn't like saxophone anymore, I switched to mariachi, which was the only guitar class at my middle school. Wow. That sounds amazing. Yeah. Uh, it was a pretty laid back class though. So essentially we just played whatever we wanted. Did you have to dress up? I did not have to dress up. Luckily I, I only took one year, but so I was like in beginner mariachi. I don't think I ever dressed up. If I did, it was just like, it wasn't like in like traditional mariachi garbs. It was like a dress shirt or something and a tie. Um, but yeah, like in that class, people taught me like some Nirvana songs or like Foo Fighters or like White Stripes stuff. That was like, the, I think one of the first ones was like, oh, this is like my music. Like this is music that I choose to listen to, not music that's being handed to me. And going off of that, I know that artists that you like, such as Ryan Adams and Rocky Votolato are influential mm-hmm. songer singwriter singer songwriters for you. Yeah. Right now in the present moment, who else is heavily influencing you? Mm. Because that may have been when you first started. Yeah, totally. I'm I'm not saying that they've been completely removed, but who are some that right now yeah. you kind of try to dissect out when you're listening to their music? Yeah, dude. Uh in the past couple of years this band called Mansions has been a touchstone for me like yeah i mean there's this so this mansions record is called dig up the dead is my favorite record of theirs and it it's a perfect album the whole way through it's a it's incredible um if you're a fan if you're a fan of like brand new and uh if you liked my last record steep hills there's a lot of overlap album there i was very influenced by mansions for that record that one to me they're like a band band so it's not like a singer songwriter but that dude's arrangements and 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 feel and lyricism have been hugely influential for me and then uh most recently there's this dude named henry jameson who put out a record about toxic masculinity essentially like that's kind of like the like the elevator pitch for it and about kind of processing what it means to be a man in a time when that we're becoming more aware of like how hard it is to be a good uh, man in, in like in an environment that's kind of built for men. Um, I don't want to get into too much into that, but as somebody who's like conscious of that dynamic happening, uh, his record, I'm looking up the name of it cause I I'm forgetting. I've listened to it like a thousand times, but I, I don't memorize song titles or album. Gloria duplex. That's what it is. I couldn't remember if that was a song or a, the album title is another perfect record it's so beautiful and like lush it's not like a rock um record as much as like mansions is it's more like uh lush and orchestral and um got some electronic instruments in it but man his songwriting and his lyricism is untouchable right now for me well i like that you're able to go into that because with your previous albums if somebody were to ask me what does alabama death walk sound like to you I don't want it to be an easy cop-out, you know, as far as my response, but I would say like Wilco or Bright Eyes or Mm -hmm. maybe some Gregory Allen Isakov or Mm -hmm. Father John Misty, some kind of like mashup, but obviously a lot deeper because I think you're able to separate yourself in being a particularly unique artist and especially with what I was able to hear 
that you were able to provide me with that um, will obviously be, be going into the specifics of the new album. Mm-hmm. I was able to sense more of a different like sonic direction, um, cool. whether it be production or, you know, as far as the artistry behind uh, artistry, like I'm just trying to sound fancy now. <laughs> um, it's just the, the instrumentation that you're actually using to create the feel. You know, mm-hmm. because I, you've kind of gone from the beginning of when you first started being a straight up acoustic yeah. uh, singer songwriter, then kind of further developing yourself into fitting these jigsaw puzzle pieces into place to be able to, hey, if I want to be a heavier band, I can, or if I want to strip it down, I can, or if mm-hmm. I need to be a, just a one man show, I could do that as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, I appreciate that. That all sounds nice to hear from somebody who's listening to music and who's known me for a while yeah the flexibility of this product has been really helpful for me so like the songs you heard the six songs you heard will be the new ep i think it's like those those are like almost done being mixed and then a couple months ago i flew to minneapolis to record some other songs and i flew there by myself and just played with some uh my friend uh, Connor and he has some friends there that are like studio musicians that he works with that are our age and like, like similar music and, and it's just been really, it's been neat to be able to work on a project that like this dense EP and then go over there and do some playful stuff and, and take and fly there by myself for like a little trip friend vacation thing and record some music and it still be under the same umbrella. I'm really like glad that, that maybe works for the listener too, because for me, that's the only way I think I've been able to, I've I've been had the same product for like 10 years or more now. And I think that's the only way that's been able to work is the flexibility of it. Yeah. I'm glad you're, you've been able to continue it with the new album. Would you say that the meaning behind your songs while creating this new album is period specific? Because like you had said, you say that, then I don't say the meaning of your songs is a little bit more transparent than than most, but I usually sense, you know, emotions revolving around friendship, yeah. your upbringing, what the word home resembles to you, trying to combine normal work life with taking music in a more professional level, and even getting into that gray area, if you're more willing to talk about it, it's fine, but your faith in a, in mm-hmm. a sense. So there's a lot of topics that I hear in your in your songs is there something in particular with these newer songs that you think is coming out yeah I think that I think that one of the big like time dependent themes that was going on was like moving from El Paso this place that I love and I had like I have I continue to have people there that I love a lot and are like really close to and I had a rough time like in El Paso for some different reasons, like leading up to the move. And so it was complicated feelings I had going on about kind of unpacking that. Um, and I'm somebody that, that like, I'm pretty naturally, um, guilt comes pretty natural to me and that's something that I'm working on, but like I have to process a lot. So there's a lot of complicated feelings about like, I like, am I a running away or am I like, am I like abandoning people that I love by not being there or whatever? And I've processed that. And now I know that like, it was, it was a, um, I had an opportunity to, to be near somebody that I loved a lot and she's my wife now. So I obviously made the right decision, but that was a lot to unpack. So there's a lot of feelings about 
what it looks like to like de-villainize yourself in your own eyes. And that was very time specific. So I think that was going on. I think you talked about like the gray area stuff, like with faith, that's like a thread in a lot of my music because that's a, that's a lot of what happens in my brain is I'm like processing these complicated feelings about faith and frustration about evangelical Christianity, but then like still having like this desire or like this feeling of like still being in relationship with this like idea of a God figure or this like light in the universe that I believe to be real, but feels like very problematic and confusing to me most of the time. So that is not really too time specific, but that's, that's another theme that's going on that I think will probably be in like everything that I ever put out, at least somewhere because it's just on my mind more than any other theme. Yeah, that's a good question though. I that this record has taken so long to make that it's weird to think of it, it being tied to a specific time, but the writing of it, multiple songs on it are really about what it looked like to be in a new place and process maybe feelings of of um yeah, like having to convince myself that I deserve to to make decisions for myself, you know what I mean? And I think that's, you know, you being honest with yourself and that showing through the music. There's other artists, not going to try to get off the path here, but David Bazan, you know, great yeah. artist. And even some of his music were, I think, sonically speaking. Um, I was like, okay, this reminds me of Alabama Death Walking. And if I'm to further analyze some of the lyrics, the lyrics and in that, I don't say it's like a common, a common thread, but it's something where that's just you being honest with what your feelings are. And that's just the way it's being evoked with you saying that the record being made has kind of been a, a long tedious process or shall I say even maybe perhaps strenuous at times. Yeah, for sure. How do you stay mentally in the, how do you mentally stay in the game with an album like that you've worked on for a while? Let's say versus the progressive collapse album that you put out where it's demos that are done in like a quicker fashion. How do you prepare yourself for that? Because, I mean, I know for myself, like being in bands, hey, if we're not done in like a month, it's like, hey, is, is this band even like going to survive <laughs> type of thing? Whereas yeah. where we'd say you are Alabama Death Walk, so you're able to take it at your own pace, but maybe maybe a pace that you're maybe not comfortable with or maybe what you're wanting. How, how are you able to adapt to that? Yeah, I don't. I wish I had a good answer for that. It's this one's felt really shaky to me, to be honest. I didn't know if it was gonna if it was gonna be fin. I don't know if I was gonna be able to finish it. It felt like too much to handle, to be honest. I wasn't sure if like there were a lot of different things going on. Man, uh, what helped me finish it? Um, I think people close to me, the dudes that played on it, my wife especially who played on it also, but it's just like with me every day. So like we're talking through this stuff. Um, when for me, I listen, it's funny for progressive collapse. That actually was not an easy EP to make. I made that before steep Hills and it was exhausting and I actually trashed it and then made steep Hills. That's funny that you bring that up because you know, on as a listener, you see demos. Yeah, (laughs) dude, I know as far as, you know, b-sides <laughs> and, and you're thinking okay like maybe yeah you know, they just took like an afternoon or an oh, evening good god that's I obviously wish. me just <laughs> that's obviously me just kind of like 
going over your head just thinking oh they were yeah they're done in a quicker well, fashion I'm, I'm glad it doesn't feel painful to the listener uh, i'm glad it feels easy but, but yeah i don't have a good answer for that because even on something like that it was hard but for this one i have listened to the song so much that there have been multiple times where like i don't know if these are good anymore and it's just because i'm fatigued and i forget that every project i work on thanks chris i appreciate that dude um every product i work on i forget this but this one has been trying in a very new and really like stretched out way, which is like um, I have had multiple people that were like starting to mix it and like, it just didn't work out. Um, It wasn't a good fit or they weren't in, like they just weren't like kind of getting it or we just weren't clicking or whatever. I've never really had to like double, like go back on stuff like that before. So it just felt like, Oh man, maybe these songs just aren't working. I don't know. So I don't really have a good answer for that other than, like support and kind of just saying out loud the like deepest like things I was feeling, which is like, I don't know if these are good. Like just saying those things out loud to people that care about you that know you and like know the songs and like letting them also comment on it. But then also finding a balance between like not there's a thing with music where for me, if I present something to somebody too early and I'm like, what do you think? And I'm like fragile about it. It's just going to destroy me no matter what they say. I need to like, I'm somebody who other than maybe just Amber or like really close friends. If I show somebody something, it needs to be at like the 90% point because I need to be in a place where I can confidently say, Hey, here's a thing that I'm proud of. And then if they say something great, if they don't say something, I'm not shattered by it because I already know that it's like close. But I was at a place where I was sharing these songs with like, I think multiple people and just saying like, hey, are these good at all? And there's really not a good way to get feedback from that easily. Like, I don't know how to explain that exactly. I think you probably get this, Chris, and maybe musicians like will will get that. Definitely. I've, ex- yeah. I've experienced analysis paralysis. Yeah, dude, and, totally. You know going tone deaf in the mix yes tone deaf in the mix but yeah i guess so uh, long story short i haven't done it well but i've pushed through and i think it's just because i've i haven't i've just like chosen not to give up like i just i think the songs are worth putting out and so although it's been harder than any other record i'm just like i'm going to drag them to the finish line and there's been some joy in that too like once i've decided to do that and i stopped like second guessing myself and believe the songs are good and i'm just realizing i had ear fatigue it's been cool to listen to them now. They don't, it doesn't feel like a burden as much most of the time, but I'm, I'm excited about them now. Yeah, they sound wonderful. And that's not really coming from me being a friend. I'm usually pretty candid and blunt about the things that I hear. So when I actually listened to them, it was like, this is a reach. I won't say recharged, but maybe a charged up Alabama death walk with some, heavier aspects to it cool dude so i think once i have the actual you know whether it be the product in my hand or the one i'm going to be listening to wherever it'll be streaming i'll be analyzing it it more at that point but it sounds wonderful and kind of going into once you actually complete it do you have any plans of doing any sort of small tours or out of town dates yeah i mean oh man hard to even think about that right now huh um like shows i don't know what that's even going to look like in the, yeah, that, in the, I'm glad the we kind of brought that up. Even COVID age. besides you finishing the album, it's now during this pandemic. When can we have house shows? When yeah, can people really start feeling comfortable at a venue? Yeah, um, I mean, is there going to be some sort of six foot 
distance that's going to need to be implemented mm-hmm. in between people. It's uh, it's kind of a uh, in those intimate shows now. It's it's hard to think. Wow, like we're going to be jam packed in in some small room. You know, those are the types of a lot of shows that we've played before. So, I mean, I can't wait to get back into it. But now, as a musician myself and playing in bands, it's hard to think like when it when are things going to start to resume to getting back to normal? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, if shows are possible, I would like to do um, like two different weekend runs. So I would like to do, um, yeah, I would like to do uh, like an yeah, two, probably two weekends. I probably won't do much more than that right now. Both of the dudes in my band work full-time also, and so weekends are kind of the way that we would probably celebrate that release. But yeah, I'm not sure. I'm trying to... I, I'm I'm really actively... While, the, while things are being mixed and I don't have as much to do on the record right now, I'm really actively thinking through how I want to release it and how I want to make that feel special to the listener in a time when we can't like do... Um, a show maybe um so I'm, I'm thinking through some stuff with that i'm excited about some options but i don't know no plans for shows just because it's so up in the air right now on a side note with playing live i know that you did a small tour with jim ward of sparta mm-hmm. maybe like four years ago mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken or so how was that that was great we, ne- we never really ever spoke about that yeah it was good i had played with jim a couple times previously and then that trip, me and Amber were actually together on. She was helping me with like harmonies and stuff, and and merch um, while I was playing. So that was fun. That was like one of the first like road trips with Amber. And then Jim was with us for some of the drives, and then other drives he was like had his own car. And then playing at the shows with him was great. Yeah, he was a really nice guy. I mean, he is, we're, we're, we're buds. Um, he is a really nice guy and he, um, prank him. No, no pranks, dude. We didn't have enough time to prank. It was only, it was like a pretty short run, but I really liked listening to his songs each night. He's also very like sensitive. He's like a thoughtful guy. I like who he is for El Paso too. Like I, I appreciated that about him before I even knew, like knew him, like being a, a local musician and also owning a restaurant feels like a really cool combo of ways to like support your city or like maybe not support is the right word, but like represent your city in for things that I care about, which is music and like food stuff. Yeah. I don't know. It, it was great, man. Uh, and then he was really supportive about my music too. Just like cool to hear somebody like who feels like that big of a like personality in El Paso just be like, dude, freaky stuck in my head or whatever. Like that was kind of mind blowing to me to just be having like those casual conversations with him, but he's, yeah, he's good. He's a good dude. He's not freaky. <laughs> I don't know. Freaky stuck in his head. So I don't know what that says about him. That's let's well, you'll have to ask him on his interview. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will. But I, I know that there isn't a set date, you know, a date set in stone yeah. for when you're wanting this new album to come out, but I'll be there listening when it does. I'm glad to hear that things are going well for you. And I just want to thank you for being able to take part in this interview. Thank you, Chris. You're a great interviewer. Now, I was honored that you asked me. I'm stoked about it. Thanks again. And to everybody listening out there, thank you. And we'll be tuning in for the next one. Okay, thank you all. Take care. There you go, folks. Hopefully you were able to learn a little bit more about Eric and I could get you pumped up about his new Alabama Death Walk album that's coming out. Again, thanks for tuning in. I really appreciate it. If you like what you're listening to, Follow me on Instagram at interviews with Chris. 
Keep up with me on interviewswithchris.com where you could subscribe to the show, tell a friend about the podcast, or even give us a positive review on iTunes. All feedback is welcome. Again, I really appreciate it, and I'll see you all next week.